Welcome, everyone. We have arrived at scripture number 18 for day number 18. And before we do anything else, let me just warn you that what we are about to do is probably going to be very unpleasant. It's going to be a very difficult subject, a very difficult topic, a very difficult topic. And, um, but it's one, it's one that we have to talk about. It's one we have to discuss. So I just want to warn you that this could be a very emotional episode that may bother you greatly, but we can't ignore the subject. And we will discuss that right after we kick off this show, this episode, with the theme music. Here we go. Welcome, everyone, to the Theology Central Podcast. It is Thursday, June the 30th, 2022. It is currently 3.19 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Well, this is number 18, the number the 18th scripture for the 18th day in our series, 30 Scriptures in 30 Days. I hope that the previous 17 days have proven to be beneficial, proven to be very helpful. I hope all of the conversations have been extremely, extremely beneficial. Today's discussion on day 18, scripture number 18, I think this entire episode may be pretty emotional and maybe hard to you to, hard for you to listen to and maybe even hard for you to process, but I hope you'll give me your full attention. So are you ready to begin? I want you to imagine the following scene. A young child is playing in the living room and is on the floor with its, his toys. Young child in the living room, on the floor, playing with his toys. His mother is sitting on her bed. She's weeping. She's depressed. She's having some kind of emotional breakdown. She calls for the child to come into the bedroom 
Child doesn't know what's going on. It's old enough definitely to understand something is happening. Something is going on. Mom's very upset. The child's old enough to at least process that mom gets upset a lot. Mom has some serious problems and serious issues. And so he, he's, he's hesitant to go, but know that, hey, if when your mom calls you, you go because if, you're not, if she's upset, something bad's going to happen. So the child gets up, walks into the bedroom, looks at his mom. The mom has a pistol in her hand. The mom raises that pistol, doesn't point point it at the young child. She points the pistol at her own head and looks at the child and tells the child, I'm going to kill myself and it's your fault. I'm going to kill myself and it's your fault. And she pulls the trigger. But the gun doesn't go off. She takes the gun. She pulls it back down. She takes it down. Then she, she messes with the gun, pulls it back up, points it at her head again and tells the child, I'm going to kill myself for real, and it's your fault. Pulls the trigger, and nothing happens. The child begins to weep uncontrollably, almost hysterical, almost screaming, and the mother begins to laugh at the child, ridiculing the child, mocking the child, and tells the child to get out of the room. That's a true story. Is that child a victim of circumstance? Or is that child simply experiencing what a sovereign God had decreed beforehand? Or what a sovereign God had allowed. Or what a sovereign God had a purpose in. Same child. Mother becomes enraged at that child. The child is drugged into a closet and tied up with its arms over its head tied up in the closet, hanging from the air, you know, feet not touching the floor, hanging in the air, tied up, and is burned with a curling iron multiple times. True story. A victim of circumstance or simply experiencing what a sovereign God had decreed. A young girl kidnapped, trafficked. A, a, a young girl is uh, becomes a victim of sexual trafficking and is sexually abused over and over and over for years. A victim of circumstance or experiencing what a sovereign God had decreed. 
a young child is molested by a family member over and over and over again for years. A victim of circumstance or experiencing what a sovereign God had decreed. All true stories. I could continue. You don't want me to continue. I don't want to continue. Because none of those things are pleasant to discuss. None of those things are pleasant to think about. They're all horrific to experience. But they really make Christians uncomfortable when we start asking very deep theological questions about those kinds of situations. Many Christians get very defensive and they start trying to give some kind of answer. In many cases, the answer really doesn't answer anything. It just is simply an answer to appease their minds. But if they would really think about it, they would realize that their so-called answer simply evaporates. It's nothing more than just something to appease their minds. It doesn't appease the person who experienced the abuse, the molestation, the kidnapping, the sex trafficking, the, the attempted suicide or the, or the pretend suicide by a mother or being hung up in a closet and burned with an, uh, a curling iron. Or, or multiple other situations that I could describe. It doesn't help those people, but for some reason, Christians want to come up with an answer to appease themselves because it makes them very uncomfortable when you ask these kinds of questions. Now, the reason I'm asking these questions, the reason I'm giving you these examples is because we have arrived at scripture number 18, day number 18, again in our series, 30 Scriptures in 30 Days. Remember, Charles Stanley wrote a book a long time ago, and in that book, he gives 30 life principles. He has scriptures that supposedly these life principles came from. What we have discovered is it seems like he came up with the principles and then tried to impose the principles on these scriptures. So what we're doing is we're looking at his principle Careful. Well, we're looking at the, the principle briefly, setting it aside, then looking at the scripture carefully and seeing what principles that we can derive from it. Now, in most of the episodes, I don't even look prior to. I simply open up the book live on the air and talk about it. This one, I just happened to open up the book prior to walking up the steps. And as soon as I saw the principle, well, I knew that I had to change the way I introduce this program. I knew that this episode required a completely different approach. As soon as I saw the principle, everything that I just mentioned come, came flooding into my mind with hundreds of other examples, thousands of other examples. Victim of circumstance or simply experiencing what a sovereign God had decreed, had purposed, had allowed in his divine and sovereign providence. Here is the principle as found in the book, 30 Life Principles by Charles Stanley. We're in day 18 
or life principle number 18. Here is the principle as it appears in the book. As children of a sovereign God, we are never victims of circumstances. As children of a sovereign God, we are never victims of our circumstances, or we are never victims of circumstance, or we are never victims of our circumstances. You, however you would like to word it. As children of a sovereign God, we are never victims of our circumstances. We're not victims of circumstance. We're not a victim of our circumstances. No, because we are children of a sovereign God. Now that preaches good. That sounds good. You can say that in a church on a Sunday morning and many people will do, depending on the church you go to, they may go, <laughs> they may say, Amen. But I would be raising my hand, go, wait, 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 wait. So, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a child of a, the sovereign God, I'm not a victim of my circumstances. I'm not a victim of circumstance. So then how do I view circumstances where I have suffered greatly, where things went horribly wrong? I'm not a victim of circumstances. I'm not a victim of our circumstances, my circumstances, or circumstance then how do I understand what happened? Now, some people will just pat someone on the back. Well, you know, all things work together for good. God has a purpose in it. Okay, so you should feel better. Well, you know, 27 years of being molested, okay, 27 years of being raped or 27 years, or whatever the case may be, I, I, I think you just need to back off and stop giving me your little pat answer. And you know what? It's perfectly right for someone to express that pain and that confusion. As a chill, as a child, if I can read correctly, as children or as a child, I'm trying to say both, as a child or as a ch as children of, of a sovereign God, we are never victims of our circumstances. Now, before, before we look at this scripture and before we read anything that we have to say anything that he has to say about this, let me ask you a question. Have you read the, read the book of Job? He suffers greatly, doesn't he? Children die. Physical suffering. Financial loss. Was he a victim of circumstance? No, he was experiencing what a sovereign God set up, set in motion, decreed. Doesn't change how bad it was. How do you process that? Let's read a little bit of what Charles Stanley. I know that the goal here is to set aside his principle and look at the scripture, but this one I'm not going to be able to let go so easy because this one just screams, we've got to talk about this. No matter how unpleasant it may be, no matter how uncomfortable it makes all of us. Here's how Charles Stanley begins this discussion. There are tragic 
life-changing moments that can be extremely difficult to survive. That's very true. There can be tragic, life-changing moments that can be extremely difficult to survive. Abuse, physical, emotional, mental, sexual abuse, crime, disaster. I agree, it can be difficult to survive. An unexpected trial strikes you with a force that knocks you off your feet. The pain and loss, far more intense than you ever thought possible. Stunned and overwhelmed, your mind will look for some explanation to cling to. You may wonder, what did I do to deserve this? Why would God allow this to happen to me? During these times of heartbreak, it is extremely important for you to remember life principle number 18. As children of a sovereign God, we are never victims of our circumstance. You may not know why this adversity has come into your life, but you can trust that God is with you and loves you. That's the go-to like, hey, hey, you may never understand it, but just know God is with you and God loves you. So God loves you and God is with you. That's why you were sexually molested for 14 years. Now, see, that sounds, see, sometimes this stuff sounds good sitting in the sanctuary. It sounds good sitting in the pew. It doesn't always sound so good when we are facing the pain and reality of reality. And if our theology is only good when sitting in the pew, and it's not very good when it's a Friday night at 2 a.m. and your world's falling apart, then then we've got to think about it. How do we understand this? Now, I'm not saying that there's any easy answers, but I I would rather face the reality that there aren't easy answers than face the reality with some patronizing, you know, catchphrase that really doesn't provide any actual answer or comfort. We'll talk about this more, but let's consider the scripture that Charles Stanley connects to this principle. The principle, as children of a sovereign God, we are never victims of our circumstances. Hosea chapter 3. Once again, he just he goes to the Old Testament. In many cases, there's no context here, but that's okay. Hosea chapter 3, we're going to go just to verse 4, and to verse 4 and 5, because that's what they give here. Hosea chapter 3, verses 4 through 5. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without uh, teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. So it seems like there's going to be a period of something bad and then there's going to be a period of something good. I don't know exactly how I'm supposed to apply this to to, um, this principle, but we'll see a little bit about what they have to say here. The book does provide a little bit of historical context. So just so that you know, Hosea is a prophet, 
to the northern kingdom of Israel. I'm assuming most everyone knows that. Uh, you may not know the dates, 7, 755 BC to 715 BC. Please note these dates. There, you can find 15 books that may have it slightly different. Just, just the, these are the dates provided here. 755 BC to 715 BC, God brought his judgment to the kingdom of Judah through Babylon, and he judged Israel through the Assyrian invasion. Yeah, I, are, are you are you are you hear that silence in me? Because I'm like, so what they what do they want me to do? This for the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without a ter- uh, without teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and the goodness in the latter days. So there's going to be a time of of judgment, a time of, of difficulty, a time of tragedy, but then everything's going to get better. So am I supposed to understand this, that, hey, as a as a child of a sovereign God, no, I'm never a victim of my circumstances. Circumstances may be bad, but hey, rest assured, God's going to make it all better. Is, is that what I'm supposed to take from this? Is that is is that what I'm supposed to do with this? I don't know. They, they, this is what they, this is what they go on to say here. All right. Um, though through Hosea's marriage, God gave the Israelites the perfect picture of what He wanted to teach them. They had sinned, and, uh, abandoning the God who redeemed them from Egypt to run after false deities that couldn't offer them anything but heartache. Still, God loved His people, and He was committed to the covenant that He had made with them. He was willing to take drastic measures, even allowing Assyria to invade them to bring Israel back to a vibrant relationship with Himself. In fact, Hosea three five says, "After afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king." This means that they would embrace the descendant of David, who would co- become their Messiah. Uh, through this through this conflict with Assyria, God would prepare the people of Israel for Jesus to be their savior. I, I mean, what do you want me to do with that? I, I don't know. You can clearly see it maybe. So God's in charge. Okay, God's in charge. I, I don't... I'm not going to do anything with Hosea 3, 4 through 5. I'm not going to do anything. I could break this down and try to get a principle from it. I'm not. Here's what I want to do. Okay, here's what I want to do. I'm going to look at a little bit of what they have to say here in in regards to God's sovereignty. So we're going to talk a little bit about God's sovereignty and human suffering. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Maybe a a principle will emerge, but it's not going to come from, I'm not going to try to force it onto Hosea 3, 4 through 5. I'm going to just try to think about a, the reality of, of these. There's two realities. Every Christian has to face these two realities. All right. In fact, we may write this down as a principle. Here are two realities every Christian has to deal with. God is absolutely sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, yet there will be pain and suffering in life. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is completely sovereign, yet there's going to be pain, sickness, tragedy, and death in this life. Those are two realities that you just have to acknowledge, Some Christians try to act like because God is sovereign, you shouldn't experience any suffering, which is absurd. 
and ridiculous. You're going to deal with it. You're, it's going to be there. So some will, will say, okay, there's going to be suffering and pain and, and this thing in life, but somehow God didn't want it to happen. It's not God's will for it to happen. And somehow almost try to keep God not responsible for any of it. Well, that, that falls apart because then God is not really sovereign or he's not all powerful or he's not all knowing. There's some kind of issue. These are just two realities. God is absolutely sovereign. Yet, horrible things happen. Like, maybe you've been kidnapped. Maybe you experienced sexual trafficking. Maybe you experienced sexual abuse. Maybe you experienced uh, molestation. Maybe you experienced abuse, abuse by a parent. Maybe you ex- experienced some other horrible tragedy. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. But yet, that same time, the reality you suffered is a reality, and it cannot be minimized or played down, and it doesn't get any better simply because people say, God was with you, and God loved you, or there's a purpose in it. These are two realities that you just have to, like, you need to know this, like, from, from Christianity 101, the minute you become saved, you need to, like the second someone becomes saved, like, hey, I need to tell you something. Okay, why? Okay, why? Why? Because they're a new believer and they get all excited and they grab their notebook and they're like, okay, tell me. All right, are you ready for this? All right, here we go. Here's the principle. God is sovereign, yet pain will be a reality in your life. God is sovereign, yet tragedy will be present in your life. God is sovereign, yet suffering will be present in your life. And guess what? You're going to get very frustrated at times, wanting to know why this all-powerful sovereign God isn't keeping or fixing or removing or preventing the suffering. Look, it's very correct. It's very honest. And it's very real to deal with this reality. Horrible mass shooting happens in Uvalde, Texas. Children are slaughtered. God is sovereign and all-powerful. So it's very real. It's very right for when, when someone says, oh, we're going to pray the, for this family. We're going to pray to God about this horrible tragedy. Our thoughts and prayers are with everyone. It is perfectly okay, even for a believer to get very frustrated and go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. So we're going to pray to the God who sovereignly allowed it, who sovereignly did nothing to prevent it, who sovereignly chose to let it happen. We're going to pray to the God who did nothing to stop it. It's perfectly okay to raise that, that re, to deal with that reality because pretending that reality doesn't exist is utter foolishness. It's a reality. God is sovereign, yet re, suffering will occur. God is sovereign. Suffering is a reality. God is sovereign. Pain, abuse, and suffering will happen. This is just too realities you have to embrace as someone who believes in God, as anyone who's a theist, who who, who holds to any theistic understanding of life. There is a sovereign, all-powerful God. Yes, suffering continues to happen. Sickness continues to happen. Disease continues to happen. Death continues to happen. War, poverty, starvation, you rape, all the horrible, I mean, just make your list of horrible things. All of those things are a reality and a world in which God is sovereign, all-powerful, and all-knowing.
And people say, but, 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 but it's not God's fault. It's man's free will. I, I don't know why Christians think that that's somehow, oh, wow, that, does that make you feel better? You feel better now? That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So because of free will, little kids have to be shot while they're getting ready to get, uh, be out, out of school for their uh for their school vacation. And because of free will, uh, well, a, a kid was sexually molested for 14 years of their life. Oh, because of free will, a, a little girl is kidnapped from her home and experience is, is a victim of sexual trafficking and is sexually abused for most of her life. But, but because it's free, so do you feel better now? Does that make everyone feel better? Hey, free will explains it. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's make sure I understand the way this works. The God who created the world, you're saying, gave everyone free will. But if he gave everyone free will, he knew, and he's all knowing, he knew what free will would do. So God is still the one who set it all in motion. Why did he set it in motion? Well, you know, he needed people to love. Well, if he needed people to love him, that he didn't need anything. So that doesn't even make any sense. It begins to fall every little, just, it, to me, it's patronizing. It To me, it's just... It's so disrespectful how Christians believe their little shallow answers fix anything. It doesn't. It doesn't. God is sovereign. Pain and suffering will be has been, will be, and forever, oh, well, and it, and it has been, it is, and it will be a continuing reality on this planet until Christ returns. You say, how do I reconcile that? If you think you can reconcile it, I think every attempt to reconcile it usually is, is fraudulent, it's frivolous, and it's disrespectful to the people who suffer. That's what I believe. Let, let's see what Stanley does here. They want us to go to Psalm 103.19. Let's go to Psalm 103.19. Psalm 103, verse 19. Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. They ask this question. What does God rule over? Is there anything in all creation that God does not control? Now, that sounds good. That preaches good. God's God's throne is above everything. He rules over everything. There is nothing that God does not control. And everyone says, amen, except for the person going, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm 12 years old and my I've been uh, sexually abused by my parents since I was four. Yeah, but there's nothing that God doesn't control. Say amen this morning. Or, or the girl who has been just escaped uh, the sexual trafficking she's been a victim of, but she was there for 16 years. Oh, hey, God did, God was in control. So I was kidnapped and, and sexually abused for 16 years. They, thank you. Thank you for making me feel so much better. Sometimes Christians, we don't, now, I'm, now listen, we don't, 
deny the truth that God is in control. We just have to realize simply saying that is not going to make anyone feel any better. Look at how they do this in the book. What does God rule over? Is there anything in all creation that God does not control? And the obvious answer is no, he controls everything. And then they say, how does this apply to the trial that you are experiencing? Well, how does it apply? The whatever I'm experiencing, I'm experiencing because God wants me to experience it. God allows me to experience. God has decreed it. God has purposed it. It is a part of God's divine sovereign providence, his sovereign purpose. Now, that, that sounds good, but I'm telling you, you be the victim of that kind of tragedy and see, does it still sound good? It sounds good when you're sitting in the back of the church and you're like, well, I don't know what everyone's problem is. God is sovereign. Just get over it. How about you be quiet? They go on to say this. God is completely sovereign, which means that everything that touches your life must serve some purpose. So everything that touches your life must serve some purpose. So let me think of some things that touched my life. Hmm. A curling iron touched my life. An electric cord touched my life. A clothes hanger touched my life. A fist touched my life. An iron touched my life. Oh, I can think of a lot of things that touched my life. Oh, must have been a purpose in it. I'm not denying that it wasn't a purpose. What I'm trying to explain to you is that these are complicated issues that sometimes we so minimize the suffering, thinking that we feel much better and we pat ourselves on the back because at least we can look at that person and say, well, God has a purpose in it. It's not that simple. And sometimes I wish Christians would do less talking and more just weeping with those who weep. Now, some people like when Christians show up with their their little cliches and their catchphrases. Some Christians like that. When you're suffering, I'm not showing up giving you any 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 cliches. I'm not showing. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. That's what I'm going to do. And some people perceive that as a lack of caring. It's me that I care too much to sit there and give you garbage answers because there aren't any answers. Here's the reality. God is sovereign. Suffering exists. Suffering will occur. You will, God is sovereign, and you will still experience suffering. God is sovereign. You will still experience pain, sickness, and tragedy in different ways. Some more than others, and I don't know why more, some more than others. They go on to say, nothing that happens to you is ever meaningless or useless. Well, that's great that it's not meaningless. It's great that it's not useless. But in some ways, that, that in some ways, that's even more hard. It, sometimes that's even harder to grasp. Okay, wonderful. So there's a meaning. It wasn't useless and it was meaningful. So I had to suffer this for, for because, but, but I should feel better because there was meaning in it and it wasn't useless. 
You are never merely a victim of an unfair world. Hey, you're, ju- you're never just a victim of an unfair. You're just never, you're not just a victim of a fallen world. No, 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 no. You're not just a victim. No, you have the privilege of suffering what you suffered because of a sovereign God. God has a very important purpose for refining you. Now here, <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Now here, here comes the idea that, okay, see, the reason you suffered is God was refining you. you. God was refining it. Well, first of all, God was not refining me when I was being abused because I wasn't even saved. So there wouldn't have been need to refine anything, Right. He, w- he wasn't trying to purge sin. I needed, I needed imputed righteousness. I didn't need the purging of sin for some kind of practical righteousness. I needed an imputed righteousness. So I don't even know what that means. Not only that, that implies that every time you suffer, you're suffering because God is trying to, tr- God's trying to pr- purify you. God's trying to get sin out of your life. Is that, is that how it works? So, so if, if you've been, kidnapped and raped. That's because God was purifying you. Well, what about the woman over there who was never kidnapped and raped? She's got a million sinful issues. Well, you know, God has a greater purpose for her than, what are you? Just stop, stop, just stop. So many times our explanation is worse than the, sometimes I think Christians' attempts to comfort people is, is, the comfort is worse than the, the pain initially. God has a very important purpose for refining you, which is to conform you to the image of his son and glorify himself through you. Hey, God wants to conform you to the image of his son. So that's why you're going through those horrible, 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 horrible things. Well, so let me make sure I get this right. So my mom died so God could refine me. My mom died so I could be conformed. So my mom had to die so that I could be conformed to the image of Christ. So those parents whose kids were shot and slaughtered in Uvalde, those kids had to die so God could conform those parents to his image. He He couldn't do it any other way. It had to be the death of their children. Man, when you start saying things like that, you see where you start you start trying to you start trying to explain the eternal purposes and decrees of God. You don't know what you're talking about. The more jolting the hardship, the greater the ministry which God is preparing for you. So the more you hurt, boom, the more you hurt. That's a good thing because God is preparing a bigger ministry for you. Well, considering some of the things I've went through in my life, I don't understand why I'm not the greatest Christian podcaster who has ever lived. Okay, maybe that's a little hyperbolic, but I've suffered some very serious things in my life. The deeper the cut, the more profoundly God will use you to do his work in the world if you will trust and obey him. So God may be cutting you. God may be beating you down. You may be suffering. It may be tragedy upon tragedy. But hey, 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 hey. God's got great plans for you. Is is that really the way it works?
Are you in the middle of a trial? The book goes on to continue. The book continues. Do you wonder why God has allowed such a painful experience in your life? Is it, is it all right to ask him why he has permitted the adversity and what he wants you to learn from it? However, you must avoid becoming bitter and resentful. Always remember that God is ultimately in control. His love for you never changes and he will for your, and he has will for your life is good. You're not a victim. You're God's beloved child and he has an extraordinary plan for your life. So have faith in him. So basically, they're using Hosea 3, 4 through 5 because, hey, Jose, hey, Israel, you messed up. Now you have to suffer a little bit. But, hey, God's going to restore you. See, he has a plan for this. So, hey, in every person's life, if you suffer, God's, God's, God's you know, um, trying to purify you. He's trying to, uh, trying to make you more godly. He's trying to purge out the, the, the sin. He's refining you or whatever the words that they want to use. So just give it some time and then boom, all this good will happen. First of all, they're using a historical narrative about a historical situation and almost making it prescriptive instead of descriptive. But, but let, we can just set it all aside. This is what we have to deal with. This is what I want to do. Instead of trying to pull some, some scriptures from this, I just want you to really embrace these two apparently contradictory ideas and because they don't make any sense to me. God is absolutely sovereign. All things work according to his will, his good pleasure. In fact, let me find the verse. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Truth, there are two truths that you must embrace in your Christian life. Truth number one is God is absolutely sovereign. He works all things according to his will, according to his pleasure. He work, He's in control of all things. He is sovereign over all. He's in control of all. All things work according to his pleasure and his will. That is truth number one. Truth number two. There will be pain. There will be suffering in this life. I cannot speak to the degree, the, the degree that you will experience. I cannot speak to the degree that you have experienced. I cannot speak to the degree that you are about to experience. I cannot. I can't understand why I had to lose my mother at an early age and then lose my father later on in life, but not that later in life, but later in life. Both of my parents gone. I can't understand why I had experienced the abuse and the craziness and the things that happened in my family. I can't understand that. Makes no sense to me. But I know God is sovereign. I have to embrace both realities. God was sovereign and I experienced horrible suffering. I cannot reconcile it. I don't understand it. 
I have to embrace those two realities. If you don't embrace them, they will, these two concepts will destroy you. They ultimately, it'll drive you mad. And, I, and again, and some people say, well, I don't know how you could continue to believe in God. Well, if I throw out God, the suffering doesn't go away. I can throw out God and say, I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostic. I don't believe in God. Well, the, the suffering still existed. The suffering still occurred. The pain was still there. Nothing's ever going to make it go away. Now I just have no rhyme, no reason, no nothing. And don't, and do I even, even have even a, a way of morally condemning it? I could legally condemn it, but a legal condemning of something is irrelevant because legally what you condemn today may be considered legal. What, what you call illegal today may be considered legal tomorrow. So, so that, I mean, that doesn't really give me any comfort. But this is very important to realize. God's sovereignty even when I don't understand it never becomes is never to become an excuse. Well, I we we could go, we could go in that direction. I don't want to go in that direction right now. I just want you to struggle with those two competing realities that you have to somehow make them fit in your brain. And I just don't want you to try to come up with, with frivolous. I don't want you to come up with things that are nothing that are meaningless, frivolous, and disrespectful to those who suffer as a way to somehow reconcile the two. I don't think the two can ever be truly reconciled. I think they're always going to be irreconcilable. They're always going to be, they seem as uh, on two opposite ends. They seem to be in conflict with one another, but they're, but they're both true. God exists. God is sovereign. God is all powerful. God is all knowing. That is a fact. Pain, suffering occurs in life. I mean, God is sovereign and all-powerful, yet I'm born with a sinful nature. Why wouldn't he just get rid of the sinful nature? I'm, I'm saved. He doesn't get rid of the sinful nature. Why would God allow any wrong desire, any wrong lustful thought? Why, why would he not Why would prevent it? Why would he not get rid of it? See, this is the concept that, that many people especially in the LGBTQ world, they really struggle with. And Christians don't provide good answers because Christians' answers are garbage here. But many in, in that world would say, look, I didn't, ask, I didn't ask to be gay. I didn't ask for this. In fact, I prayed for it to go away and I struggled with it and I wept. I don't want to be this way, but this is the way I am. Now, Christians are like, oh, no, you weren't born that way. You weren't born that way. You chose it. Okay, oh man, I can't stand when Christians start that nonsense. Oh, and let me guess, you weren't born a sinner? So if I can be born a sinner, they could be born with a sexual desire that the Bible condemns because I was born with all kinds of desires that the Bible condemns. So they can be born that way. Now in their mind, because they're born that way, then there should be no condemnation of said action. 
But the biblical concept is, no, we are born this way with all of our sin and desire, and God still condemns the action. Once again, it seems two competing ideas. Wait, I'm born a certain way that leads me against God, but God still condemns it, even though God is sovereign. If God is sovereign, he could remove the very way that we're born so that we are born to love him and desire him. They say, well, that wouldn't be free will. Well, okay. But remember, free will doesn't explain anything because God is the one who gave the supposed free will. And if you're born a sinner, then your will, you don't have free will. The minute you say you're born a sinner, you don't have free will because that free will is impacted by the depravity that exists. So therefore, your will is not completely free unless you're going to say the will is not impacted by depravity. Now we go back to Pelagianism or semi-Pelagianism. We're not going to go back throughout church history. But the point is, is we're born a certain way, even though God is sovereign but we're still responsible to God. And a roundabout way, that's that's what this is all about. God is sovereign and there's going to be suffering. There's so many things that God is sovereign over that the real but the reality seems to contradict that a sovereign God would allow it, but he does. You say why he does he? Do you, look, and let me ask you a question. Did Job get any answers? Did God show up to Job and go, look, Job, come on, man, yeah, you, you got to understand something, Job. First of all, I, w- I was trying to prove a point to Satan, and I just needed to allow a little bit of suffering in your life to prove that point. Does God show up? No. Does God show up and say that? Does God say, well, look, Job, I want you to know your children died. You lost a lot of property. Hey, I'm going to give some things back so you should feel better about it, but just want you to know that was all done to make you better spiritually. God is sovereign and can and can step in at any point in time. But then there's times he doesn't step in. When Abram was a coward and lied and Sarah gets taken by another man, God steps in and prevents anything from happening to her. Well, praise God. That's awesome. Stops that sin from occurring. But when David sees a woman bathing, did God step in and say, David, you can't do that. Or David, I'm going to take that desire from you. Or David, I'm going to do something to prevent this from happening. He doesn't do anything to prevent it. Why? This is the constant struggle in the, with the Bible, what we have to just embrace. We've got to embrace both concepts. God is sovereign. Suffering is going to occur. And yet we're responsible in it. I'm going to write a principle down here. going to be principle number 34 or number one for today. And this one is not coming from a scripture. Just, I, I want to say, we must embrace two concepts I'm, I'm, I'm writing this out in real time, so I know. We must, embra- uh, we must embrace two concepts that seem to be contradictory. God 
is completely sovereign. Okay, God is completely sovereign. Suffering and pain. I'm going to put sin, suffering, and pain is a part of life. God is sovereign. 100%. He works all things according to his good pleasure and will. And guess what you're going to see in your life? You're going to experience sin, suffering, and pain. Both concepts. God is completely sovereign. Sin, suffering, pain is a part of life. Two ideas. You must embrace both. And you're going to look for every little trick to go, I got to explain it. I got to explain. There's nothing. There's no explaining it. It's just the reality is what you must embrace because no matter rejecting the reality doesn't change the reality. Now, this episode has been met with a resounding silence so far, and that's either a bad thing or maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. I am going to check my iPad. Because sometimes on my computer, messages don't show up. And then when I close it, I get all of these messages. Like, why were they not showing up? Let me just check really quick. Let me check really quick. Nope. Complete silence. So here is the principle that I want you to take away from today. It does, I'm, not, I'm not assigning a scripture to it because, well, I, I don't want to try to force this, but I think from the totality of the Bible, you can get this. We must embrace two concepts that seem to be contradictory. God is completely sovereign. Sin, suffering, and pain is a part of life. You can give me your thoughts by emailing me at newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I know it wasn't pleasant. I know it wasn't a very encouraging conversation, but it's one that had to be talked about, and we had to talk about some very unpleasant examples. I hope you'll give a serious thought, and if you need to discuss this in any way, shape, or form, please contact me. And that concludes day 18, scripture number 18, for our series, 30 30 scriptures in 30 days. Thank you for listening. Go back and listen to all the previous parts. And if you have any questions, we always like and appreciate hearing from you. Thanks for listening. Until tomorrow, may God bless you.